Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we will be looking at season three, episode three of The Sopranos titled Fortunate Son. This episode aired March 11th, 2001. It was written by Todd Kessler and directed by Henry Bronkdean. Here's the HBO synopsis for this episode. Christopher finds that being a made man isn't all it's cracked up to be. Meanwhile, Janice moves into her mother's house, where she soon gets a leg up on Livia's former housekeeper. Uh, <laughs> a leg uh, up. Leg up. How funny, HBO. Yeah, they, they snuck that one in there. They did. This was a big, kind of a big episode. Yeah. A lot, a lot happens. A lot. Yeah, they pack so much in. I love this episode. I think it's, like, fantastic. It's probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Wow. Well. Uh, three to go off yeah, of, but only yeah, three. No, for sure, it's a good one. Yeah, and it it kind of centers around part of it with Christopher mm-hmm. becoming a made man. Yeah, finally. So you know, we open up and he gets the call from Polly. Polly doesn't say exactly what's happening, but he hints strongly that it's time for Chris to get his button. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's excited. Aid is excited getting ready to go and then you get that little seed planted of um you know concern or worry from Abe, from right? Adriana, yeah. yeah yeah their chemistry is really growing yeah i mean if it could grow anymore i mean mm-hmm. they're already very strong as a couple yeah. you know and as actors playing off of each other but you can see that the chemistry is growing there for right. sure yeah yeah i mean in general i think that part of the reason why i like this episode so much is that i feel like it represents a real maturity for the series kind of arriving sort of at a level of like density that it would sort of carry on for the remainder of its run Mm. you know like first season second season obviously like classic seasons but i feel like it's really starting with this episode and going forward that it's like yeah this is what i define as the sopranos i don't know what it is interesting maybe it's because every storyline kind of feels like it could carry every storyline in this episode feels like it could sort of be its own episode separately and yet we get them all stacked on top of each other yeah we do i think that's really cool yeah. The other point I was going to make about this opening is just how Adriana was going to make Christopher cheese dogs. I wrote that down. You wrote down yeah. cheese dogs? Yeah. I wrote down cheese dogs. Yeah. How could he leave? Yeah. For ch- cheese dogs. Well, you know, when you're going to get your button, you got to, you important know, things. she has to like keep the cheese dogs in the fridge, I guess. You know, he can have celebratory <laughs> cheese dogs when he comes back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, he meets Syl and Polly in a parking lot and they pick him up and kind of right away he he does know Mm -hmm. what's going on especially i mean we just jump right into it some basement and some building somewhere and we get that funny line from sill he says he sat on one ass cheek the whole way over (laughs) (laughs) so many fucking movies that's his problem the line's funny because they're basically laughing at the fact that he thought he might be whacked right. on this ride. See, and there is a little bit of theater when they picked him up in the parking lot, right? For sure. Because, you know, it was Syl who gets in the backseat, or Polly gets in the backseat. Polly gets in the backseat. Yeah, back Polly gets yeah. in the back, Syl drives, and it's like, that's odd. Why would, you know, he be sitting behind him? Again, mm-hmm. is it kind of like a godfather thing when they take the guy out, um, you know, in the weeds to whack him in the first godfather, and right. there's a guy sitting behind the guy that's going to get whacked? Maybe that's just a thing. Uh, but yeah, 
part of it is this really great thing is about to happen to you, Chris, but we want to make it interesting a little bit, you know. For and sure. Of course, Adriana did sort of plant that seed in his head, too. In her, you know, opening scene with him, mm -hmm. where she was like, oh, I'm kind of worried, you know, that... Here's another mob movie reference, because that's how Pesci gets killed in Goodfellas. They say, hey, you're going to become a made guy. And then they bring him to the making ceremony. And then once he walks in, he realizes he's getting whacked. And then they kill him. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's that's probably what it is then. That's well, probably where the feeling comes from, because yeah. they repeat the line, you've seen too many movies. Exactly. Right. Christopher says that to Adriana. Yeah. And Tony says that to Christopher mm -hmm. when he comes in. Seen yeah. too many movies. This kid's seen too many movies. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into the, the, the making the ceremony. ceremony. What'd yeah. you think of this ceremony? Very serious, very traditional, emphasizing that snitches will get stitches. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's basically what it is. A very clubhouse <laughs> right. pack. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, you know, the family comes first before anything else. Yeah, before your, your wife. Yeah. yeah, your wife, your kids. Yeah, before everything. I mean, it's it's a cool thing in a way because... Uh, this is really the only time that they acknowledge what it is that they actually are a part of. You know, mm -hmm. it's taboo to use the word mafia when you're one of these guys. I mean, the closest they ever come to acknowledging it is this thing of ours. Right. You know, um, but they never call it anything else. I mean, that's part of the deal is that you're supposed to act like it does not exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we get Christopher seeing a raven. Right. Outside of the window. Yeah. And of course traditionally ravens are seen as bad omens yeah harbinger of doom right in uh in mythologies and, and legends and so he's a bit shaken up because mm -hmm. he sees this bird and then it you know suddenly vanishes as yeah. the ceremony wraps up right exactly so yeah that is a bad sign for anybody who takes that literally and i think christopher is one of those kind of guys we obviously see it later on he blames yeah. the bird for certain shortfalls he's having. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But we cut to the party afterwards. So <laughs> Vesuvio, it didn't take very long for Vesuvio to take a nosedive into Trashy. <laughs> like apparently Charmaine is just yeah. not aware of what is going to be present at Vesuvio's yeah. during this party. Yeah. You're referring to the two naked women yes. grinding on each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are they at Vesuvio? They are. Oh, yes. They're okay. definitely at Vesuvio. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if they had some, like, penthouse suite at a hotel. I guess I didn't look at the set very closely. But Charmaine would not be pleased. No. <laughs> no. I'm very certain yeah. that they are at Vesuvio. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I like the bond that we see here between Polly and Christopher. Mm -hmm. That's not really something that we've seen directly uh, before, but I like how they now have this sort of mentorship between them where Polly is now seen as, as Christopher's mentor in a way, or at least Christopher sees him as a mentor. Yeah. Uh, and a father figure in a sense, at least that's his role in this episode. Mm. So uh, that makes Christopher one of, I think four ironically, you know, titled fortunate sons that make up, um. you know, the, the title fortunate son for this episode. And I guess we, we can delve into that, I, but I think I counted four as, you know, it's called fortunate son. Mm -hmm. And I think there are four quote unquote fortunate sons. Okay. As in, they're not actually fortunate at all. Right. So and we explore that in this episode. Being one. Yes. Yeah. Christopher being one. I like when Paulie is describing the new setup, the new situation for Christopher, because he's giving Christopher a part of the business that he was in control of 
now. And he tells Christopher, you're going to have to kick up points to me because I got to kick him up to that guy over there. And we get this shot of Tony just standing there right next to the strippers grinding on each other, just eating a plate of food mm-hmm. right in front of them. And mm-hmm. I like that moment of just like, I got to kick it to that guy. It's like, oh, yeah, that's our boss. Yeah. That dude right there. I remember that shot, too. Yeah, as Tony has that kind of dead-eyed look. Well, the looking at strippers dead-eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I would describe that. He doesn't give any fucks. He's like, right. yeah, whatever. I'm standing yeah. here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get an introduction in this scene to Carmine Lupertazzi, played by Tony Lip. Yes. Tony Lip. And this is a great character because this is the one guy in the entire, you know, East Coast mafia setup that Tony has to defer to. He has to he has to kiss Carmine's ass a little bit. And, you know, that's exemplified by the fact that Carmine brings up some things that Tony really doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Namely, right. Tony's quote unquote spells, you know, aka panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fact that Tony sees a therapist, you know, Tony's just sort of mortified that right. Carmine is saying all of these things openly and that everyone knows all of these things about Tony. And we should say, just in case no one picked it up, but Carmine is the boss of New York. Right, yeah, we should yeah. say that, definitely. And so we, that's... Got, we have Johnny Sack there, and Johnny yeah. Sack is the equivalent to Tony's sill. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. And, of course, Carmine, you know, he's older, and it's a big deal. Uh, you know, he's a big deal because, of course, he is, like, he basically runs New York, Mm -hmm. You know, we can assume, and New York is a lot bigger than Jersey. So, you know, at the end of the day, Jersey sort of has to to bow to New York a little bit. I mean, right? not exactly, but that's, you know, when push comes to shove, New Jersey's definitely in like the subservient position. Right. It's like uh, one of those minnows that clings to a shark that when you see these shark weeks and you see these tiny fish circling around the big shark. Right. But they're not like hurt in any way by the shark. So I a think symbiotic relationship. I think that's a good analogy. Thank you. Yeah. Because that first when I started saying it, I wasn't sure if I was making sense. Um, yeah. Um, Carmine has that really funny line uh, to Tony of, oh. about the spells. Right. And he says about having a psychiatrist. So what? There's no stigmata these days. My kids saw a shrink. He got caught order for that thing with his wife. They're very happy now. There's no stigmata these days. Yeah. Regarding, the, yeah. <laughs> the word he was looking for was stigma. Yeah. But uh, another classic malaprop. Yep. For yeah. the Sopranos. Yeah. And then we get Tony and Janice. Next day, Janice is right. on the couch at the Soprano household, just having a lot of food, chilling. I love how James Gandolfini walks into the scene. When he sees Janice sitting there and just the annoyance on his face, it's like, oh, this is going to be such a good scene. Yeah. But it actually comes around to a very funny way that he kind of broaches the idea of her going back to Livia's. They kind of dance around each other in a way that's not going to like start a fight. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, don't worry. I talked to Svetlana. She's going to be moving out. Oh, really? Well, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, just it's yeah, it's a whole Could dance maneuvering blown up. Yeah. I guess Tony's a little hungover from his like revelry the previous night, so right. he doesn't quite want to get into it with Janice. But yeah, they're they're being respectful of each other. I mean, again, their mom did just die, so true. That might be affecting things a bit. True. 
So our next scene takes us uh, back to Chris, and he's kind of strutting his stuff. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's sort of making the rounds as a made man uh, to you know see people from the neighborhood so they can pay him the respect that is due. The right. guy that you know owns the pizza parlor, he comes around to you know give Chris a hug. Chris hugs him like stiffly in return. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's like hey, you've got like flour and pizza dough all over you like don't get it on my armani suit kind of thing but it is funny chris is in this suit you know oh yeah strutting around this grimy pizza parlor i think it's funny too that the pizza owner knows now that he's a made man yeah somehow that got around to him right as well i don't don't know how that information would get to the pizza parlor man but Mm -hmm. maybe christopher called him up and hey i'm gonna be down soon just so you know I got a promotion. Yeah. So I'll be uh, wanting a big slice of old blue eyes, which by the way, I don't right. know if you caught, but that was the name of the pizza. Oh, of course. The Christopher. Oh, called, I didn't catch that. Wow. Called, the yeah, Sinatra he, references yeah, just keep like, coming. Give, give him a large slice of old blue eyes. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this scene with Chris does lead into what I consider to be kind of the true introduction for Jackie Jr. Yeah. He really hasn't. He's just kind of been on the outskirts this right. whole time. Yeah, and he's being a bit of a prick, Jackie Jr. Yep. And he has rights to be upset. He doesn't have a clue what happened to Richie exactly. at all. And he was kind of being groomed by Richie, in a sense. Yeah. So, and Christopher has his own little lackey, his sidekick, Benny. Benny, yeah, played by Max Casella. He's a great actor. He's been in a lot of things. He's been in some, like, Woody Allen movies, I think. Uh, but, yeah, he's a he's Good a actor. nice presence. Yeah, and he, and he actually kind of sticks around in this show for a while. Yeah, yeah, I like that, too. And I like how this kind of all ends in this scene because Christopher quickly realizes he really shouldn't be coming around these places anymore now yeah. that he's a made guy. At least not in his suit. Well, Jackie Jr. makes a huge scene pointlessly. He does. Because he's so insecure and he's so frustrated and he wants to be respected as a tough guy. So he just picks a ridiculous fight. I mean, I guess the heart of this scene is Chris learning that uh, Jackie and Dino, his Jackie's lackey, right? Right. Uh, they're kind of plotting a heist um, at a local college. Yes, and uh, Chris may or may not want to be involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jackie's pretty pissed that it was even brought up because he wants this, you know, opportunity for himself. Doesn't want to, you know, split the take with anyone else besides Dino, I'm assuming. And so, yeah, he leaves in a huff. Right. Uh, but before that, he makes a big scene. and Well, he's he's yeah. also our one of our other f- right. fortunate sons. Of course, yeah. yeah. Fortunate son number two. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the scene ends with Christopher saying... I want to sound like an asshole, but I really can't be seen in a place like this anymore. Yeah, that's a great line. Uh, I think it just really goes to show that when you are made, it, it's kind of like, this is like a stupid analogy, but I, I feel like it's maybe, you know, we're in LA, right? And it's like like an actor who is like nothing and not famous and then like gets a huge hit series mm-hmm. and is suddenly like very famous. Yeah. Like, you know... Uh, David Schwimmer before Friends took off, where it was like, you're not really anything, and now you're like this big deal. Yeah, he would always go to the yeah. same Pete's Coffee, and then he was like, um, I can't go to this Pete's Coffee right. anymore. I'm David Schwimmer. 
Perhaps. I mean, I hope not, because then he'd be a real asshole. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the point, right? Yeah. Christopher is being an yeah. asshole. Yeah. yeah, he is. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's my that's my thing. Let him just. I think that what this episode really conveys is that this is seen as such a huge bump up. Yeah. You know, this is this is life changing stuff. This is you're famous now. You're mm-hmm. you know meaningful now. And you know, being a made man technically is supposed to mean that no one can kill you in the organization. Right. At least not right. through the proper hierarchy and order yeah. that would come from it. Exactly. Yes. So it is sort of like a um, invincibility mm-hmm. uh, cloak or whatever. Cloak? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we get a very uh, prominent present. Prominent presence. We we get Melfi in this episode, mm-hmm. and we get basically revelations and discussions that we have not had yet. And what's great about it is that Tony actually prompts it he tells her in this scene that he wants to see results well carmine yeah made him very insecure right so we need to see what what you know tony needs to know what the hell is going on because it's been too long too much money for it not to pay off and melfi says like well if you really want to do any of that we really have to focus right and they do they do and tony's like all right fine my daughter brought home brought home a black you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Tony. Right. That's where we're going to start. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I guess she says, Melfi says, let's talk about, you know, the last incident. You know, he had gone without an attack for a while. Right. And then, of course, you know, meeting Noah, who's half black, by the way. <laughs> uh, but that's Tony. that's one half too many <laughs> to be in Tony's house. Um, uh. You know, that, that obviously drove Tony to pass out flat right. on his face, you know, um, in the previous episode. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a big deal. And, and Tony's tired of these attacks and, you know, just tired of the fact that... I mean, I just made the connection um, at this very moment that the reason why Carmine is hitting that point so hard of like, oh, what's going on with your spells and what's going on with your therapist and take care of yourself is that, you know, perhaps word got out somehow that Tony did have the incident in his home, which I, you know, mm. after Noah, maybe uh. the, no one knows why, but they know that it happened, that mm. he had a panic attack recently. He did cut himself, so he visibly yeah. had a cut on his arm. So maybe that's what it is, too. Maybe. Also, we haven't yeah. seen Carmine yet. Maybe Tony hasn't had a proper, like, right. you know, time with Carmine for Carmine to be like, by the way, I heard yeah. about all your spells. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it didn't make it seem like Carmine was talking about the present, not the mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. with spells. So you might be right Yeah, on something like that. And um, Melfi, of course, doesn't see the point yet until we start breaking down. You know, it wasn't when he saw Uncle Ben that he started huffing and puffing and, and hyperventilating. It was the meat. Yeah. That's when he started to feel it. Right. And I like how these two episodes are tying together. You know, David Chase set up a really good moment for Tony to experience the passing out and Mm -hmm. ties it to the very first episode, as Melfi points out, that he was grilling meats when he first passed out and that maybe there's this connection that we're starting to learn about between meats and his panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. It was nice. I actually, I also at this moment was like, this is the pager episode. Oh, tell me about it. Everyone's got a pager. Yeah. Everybody's got to be, because it's football season, obviously. But I don't get it. Maybe this is just me not remembering, and also I never had a pager. Tony gets paged, and then he calls on his cell phone. Yeah, he pulls out his flip phone. So why not just call his phone? 
Right. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, maybe someone who like was communicating uh, heavily in the era of pagers could kind of tell us about this. Did you rock the pager and the cell phone at the same time? Let us know. Yeah, please let, let us let, know. Let us know. I mean, if you were a doctor, maybe. But again, I don't see if you have the two. Anyway, right. not a big deal. We will move on. This Let's is the on. pager episode, though. Yeah. And we move on to Chris. You know, he's he's having a rough start at this whole made mm-hmm. guy business. And he's a little over his head. In over yeah. his head for uh, football season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the sports book that he's taken over from, you know, Polly. We're getting a little bit of a, like, be careful what you wish for mo money mo problems type situation with chris you know this is all that he wanted for so long yeah and now he sees oh it's actually a lot of responsibility it's a lot of pressure uh that i didn't have before i mean i guess it's just like any other promotion in a sense where you know there is a bit of a learning curve and it's like yes the benefits are greater the respect is greater this is what i've been driving towards but now that i have it i'm accountable in ways that i wasn't before and uh, that makes me feel uncomfortable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so that's what Chris is is dealing with when, mm-hmm. you know, the game, Oregon game doesn't really go his way. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be raking in the profits that, you know, he needs to rake in every week. Yeah. And he later shares that with Tony. Right. Like, just a rough, it's a rough start. Yeah. That's all. And Tony's back at cooking meats. Yeah, and yeah. Right back at Very that. significant. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's out there, you know, manning the grill as he does. Right. And I really like this conversation. The dimension between Tony and Chris and also Ralphie is there and also AJ is there and they're all kind of around the grill and Tony is sort of, you know, uh, pivoting between the three, you know, with the three different dilemmas that each of them represent. You mm-hmm. know, Chris not bringing in a, not bringing in enough money, you know, uh, that's a disappointment and that's a problem and he needs to step his game up. And so Tony kind of lets him know. Yeah, you got to step it up. And then Ralphie is there who, you know, Tony is obviously just super wary about anyway. Mm. Uh, He's just always, you know, since we got the introduction of Ralph in the previous episode, you know, as we mentioned last week, there is that. What? Dandy. Yeah, the dandy. (laughs) Yes, we mentioned that. Oh, we did. Okay, you were mentioning something else. (laughs) Ralphie the dandy. But Yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, also it's just Tony doesn't really trust Ralphie, you know, he wants right, to keep his distance yeah. a little bit. Um, and that's going to be hard yeah. because Ralphie is now with Rosalie April. Exactly. And he's yeah. com- and he's complaining about Jackie Jr., who he feels like, you know, now that he's with Rosalie, right. he has a shared responsibility in making sure Jackie's not a fuck up. Yeah. Which is what he says. Yeah. You know, he, at least he says a fucking kid or something like right. that in front of AJ. And then Tony chastises Tony. him mm-hmm. uh, for, for the language. He doesn't appreciate that. Even though, I mean, how many times have we heard Tony say fuck in front of AJ? <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> yeah. And AJ himself, he ha- he's in a bit of a funk. Yeah. This is the first scene I think AJ's in. Sure. Right? Yeah. And he just seems like a kid who is not sure right now right. what he's doing, where he is in life. Yeah. I think that plays throughout this whole thing, but you can start seeing it right here. He's kind of a little depressed almost. Right. Well, he's also a fortunate slash unfortunate son, mm-hmm. clearly. Number three. And uh, yeah, number three. And then uh, there's that moment when um, 
Chris brings up the fact that you know, the heist wheels are sort of in motion. You know, he alludes to it. Tony knows right away that, you know, this is not for AJ's ears. And more importantly, and I like this little detail, AJ doesn't even need to be told. He's like, oh, they're probably about to talk about something I'm not supposed to hear, so I'll just take myself out of this situation. And he walks away. Yeah, well, it's important for Tony to hear, too, because Jackie Jr. is part Mm -hmm. of that, hanging out with undesirables. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony does not want Jackie Jr. to be a part of it. I think it's funny, too, that Chris says he calls Jackie Jr., you know, the boy king. What does he call him? He calls him, well, he mispronounces air, and he says the hair apparent. The hair apparent, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of weird to say to Tony, because that would mean that he would be usurped by Jackie Jr., in a sense. Well, yeah, that's a funny thing. I mean, I guess, of course, Jackie April Sr., was the original boss of Jersey, right? And Tony was under him for the first few episodes of the of, of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that part of what's going on with um, Jackie Jr. is that he resents Tony and he resents the Sopranos because, of course, the Aprils were dominant until Jackie's dad died. Yes. You know, and so once that happened, then the Aprils, you know, they essentially get edged out a little bit and now the sopranos you know are the leaders Mm -hmm. and so jackie resents that but jackie would be the heir if you know his dad hadn't died of i'm sorry cancer does does it play as a monarchy does it go paternally through the the organization no but i think that if jackie senior had you know remained living uh then, yeah, Jackie Jr. would have had a clear path towards leadership mm. in the organization. Maybe not ultimately boss. But Tony made it clear, makes it clear constantly that yeah. Jackie Sr. did not Didn't want, want his that. son, son right. to be a part of it. So, yeah, I guess that's debatable for sure what yeah. would have come. I mean, I don't think that Jackie Jr. would have become boss or anything like no, that. No, or, no. you know, Jackie Sr. would have probably stood, you know, in the way of that. Um, but still, I guess Jackie Jr. is more involved and engaged in this thing of ours than AJ is, for example. Definitely. You know, and so that's, there's a real distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. We get this funny break uh, with a funny line from Adriana asking, Hey, AJ, cheerleaders, any hotties, huh? There's no cheerleaders for freshman ball. She's like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) He just like kind of just snaps at her. Yeah. But it's so funny. He's so, he's just nasty to her. And she's like, yeah. really sorry I asked. Right. Yeah, no, it's great. And then he gets up, leaves the table immediately to just go stare out the window. Right. But <laughs> this staring out the window at yeah. the pool or maybe at his dad, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, it reminds me, it kind of mirrors how Tony would stare out yeah. at the pool, at the ducks, right. longing for, or, you know, hoping for something good to come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see in this episode, we begin to see a bit of AJ inheriting some of his father's traits. Mm-hmm. The Meadow calls. Right. Carmela and Meadow have a brief conversation. She asks Meadow if she would like to talk to her father who is outside. And Meadow says, burning a cross. Right. Yeah. Carmela is like, I do not know what you mean. No, it's funny. Uh, so, I mean, that's going to be a thread running through this too because yep. uh, Meadow is not really on Team Tony right now. No. She she was a little offended Yeah, by some of the offensive things Tony said yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> the guy she likes. Yes, <laughs> for sure. And this dinner, Sunday dinner, ends uh, with 
Jackie Jr. being quite the dick to his own mother. Right. Not going to show up to the dinner. And uh, Carmela maybe suggests uh, Tony have a word with Jackie Jr. Yeah, yeah. Set him straight a little yeah, bit. Yeah, heart to heart. Right. Yeah. Well, now uh, Christopher has to bring the money that he has to Polly, And he's 2K short. Yeah, yeah. which is a problem. The light bag. Uh, I like this scene a lot. You know, Polly just lays it down and he's like, this isn't acceptable. It's not personal. This is just what you have to deliver. I'm not really even mad at you, but the fact is you have to do this or it's a huge problem. Like you, and because you're late and that's unacceptable, uh, it's an additional 2000 that you have to pay. Right. So now Chris is really in a hole. You know, he's got to come up with four grand quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was anybody else, Polly would have kicked the shit right out of that person. Yeah. But it's Christopher. Christopher's also made. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's really got to be a, a very harsh slap on the wrist Yeah, for Christopher. And he knows it too. Yeah. 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 No, it's a good scene. I like it. I like the character detail too of, of Polly. You know, he's, he's awakened from a nap. He's sleeping like flat on his back yeah, on top cot. of a cot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he gets up and then, you know, he kind of, tells Christopher what he needs to tell him about, you know, Christopher stepping his game up. And then Polly goes to the sink and starts brushing his teeth. Right, right, right. It's very Polly, yeah, you know. The, the, you know, the back room of Satrials yeah. is uh, Polly's uh, right. little uh, respite. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, so Tony does meet with Jackie Jr. at Vesuvio's. And just yeah. to open this scene, what the fuck is going on with Artie Bucco? His hand gestures are all over the place. <laughs> Every line he's saying, he looks like a bad ASL interpreter. He is, for every word and every action he is saying, there is a twiddling of the fingers, <laughs> a rising of his hands, a punching of his own gut, whatever it is. Right. Like he's doing something to act out the words he's saying. Yeah. Wait, what? No, I noticed that too. I oh mean, that's just God. another great arty detail. I mean, he's such a funny, <laughs> kind of fun, odd character. And yeah, just the way that like, you know, he takes a lot of pride in his like interactions uh, with his patrons, I guess, you know. Yeah. And he, there's a little, you know, just performative. I don't know. It really is. But yeah, I, really I noticed that too. And it's funny. But then we get Jackie Jr. Shuffling in, looking like a giant dildo. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but who is this guy? Yeah. Who is this guy who's just like dragging his feet in, shades on, be, going to Tony Soprano, who, yes, is like family to him, but is also the boss yeah. of the real family he wants to be a part of. You'd right. think the kid would come with a little more respect. Well, yeah, again, it. I think it's really just he resents Tony so much because he's like, yeah, you're only boss because my dad died. I mean. I'm not going to give you too much respect. You know, I I guess I guess this uh, this moment here though from James Gandolfini, boy, like just I love this scene and his performance right right here. It's so subtle, but it it just again great acting and eating at the same time. But these lines here are so good. When he starts off by saying, "I'm going to say a few things. I'm going to say some bad words." You're just going to have to deal with it. 
Yeah. I just, I, I, I love the beginning of that. Right. And then he says a line that's very interesting because he says, Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I clipped your uncle. On the one hand, you'd be a shithead to believe me when I told you I didn't do it. But I didn't. And I got some bad news for you. Look at me. Look at me. Your uncle was a rat. No fucking way. Sit down. Sit down. Sit the fuck down. Tells Jackie Jr., basically convinces Jackie Jr. that Richie was a rat. Right. He convinces Jackie Jr. that he was a rat, even though he wasn't. Yeah, not at all. Uh, it's a huge lie. Uh, but yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of things really until I watched the scene that, of course, uh, Jackie would think that. And Jackie Jr. would hate Tony, perhaps, because he's like, yeah, you know, you clipped my uncle, right? And so right. Tony deals with that right off the bat, as you said, uh, with a massive lie. But what else is he going to say, I guess? And just the fact that Tony is so skilled at lying and manipulating that he, you know, he does convince Jackie Jr. completely that Richie actually was a rat. It's like, wow, you, mm -hmm. you really just like completely mind fucked this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would go that far. Yeah, it was a mind fuck. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he's letting Jackie Jr. know, like, look, your dad didn't want this for you. I don't want this for AJ. Cut to Tony at AJ's football game. Right. We get uh. Mr. Piacosta. Yeah, George Piacosta. From Meadowlands. Right. If we all recall uh, Mr. Piacosta and his nice portly round self yeah. is now just uh, at the football game with Tony. They're kind of right. hanging out. <laughs> Maybe they do have like a, well, our sons go to school together. They had a moment thing. And now, you know, at the games, you're the guy I can kind of link to. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be friends anywhere outside of this. But when I'm here... You're the guy I'm going to go to. Right. Pia Costa. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all behind them. I guess it was a couple of years ago uh, right. when Jeremy and AJ had their little tussle. So, yeah, yeah, this is a good scene. A proud father seeing Absolutely. his son perform well in sports. Oh, and then also we get the beat uh, that The Sopranos loves to hit whenever they address youth athletics of the, like, freaking out parent that needs to be like restrained and then dragged from the field yeah if it's not sill yeah it's gonna be somebody else it some was other sil dad. <laughs> it was sill and his wife beater yeah. in season one and here it's like this insane periodontist right 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 right, right. <laughs> that yeah. has a meltdown i also like the suits mm -hmm. that are kind of staring back at tony mm -hmm. like what's this guy's deal but right. i i do love the this soft moment between Tony and AJ and, and yeah. his, his pride for his son, whether AJ sees it or not. Um, Cause we do get that like slow motion of him coming out of the dog pile, recovering the fumble, his dad's cheering for him. And maybe this is the first time he's seen his dad. So proud of his son. Yeah. In this small act of recovering a fumble. Yeah. In a yeah. non-important game. Right. But it's still AJ distinguishing himself in some sort of positive way mm -hmm. and demonstrating perhaps some talent. And they haven't quite seen that yet, you know? He Well, yeah, but he doubts his right. talent. That's this whole episode yeah. is AJ doubt, doubting himself. I think that you have to have a lot of um, 
sympathy for AJ in this episode, actually, because you see just how low his self-esteem really is and how lost he feels where he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't fit in anywhere. Uh, Nothing stimulates me. I have no place. I mean, his sister, she had a very clear identity. She had clear talents. She excelled academically. He clearly doesn't and just finds it very hard to engage with anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, he feels lost. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely know what that feels like. You know, I think we've all felt that at at points. It's a hard place to be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just this simple fumble recovery is, you know, a big moment. Yeah. And Tony wants to treat him to Stuart's for some dogs. Right. And I like that AJ comes around to it, says, no, like, yeah, let's, let's go get dogs. And we get this small scene. it, It appears it's after Stuart's. Because Tony walks into the Bing. Yeah. Right. Since Tony's got mustard all over his shirt. <laughs> and Carmela tells him, you know, you got to come home for dinner. Right. Like, you need to be home now that Meadow's away. And we do get that dinner scene. And AJ does not remember saying he wants to go to West Point. Now, we clearly remember that part where he says, I want to go to West Point or Harvard. And Tony makes made a point in that moment, in that previous episode there's really no chance you're going to get to those schools. Yeah. AJ. I don't know who you're kidding, but you would have to crack the books. Right. And maybe Tony and Carmela give each other a look there when AJ's so defiant that he did not say West point. And maybe that's, you know, Carmela's saying with her eyes to Tony, like, remember when you said he wouldn't be that's able to right. go to West point. Well, look, this is the result. Now he yeah. has huge self-confidence issues. And you might have had something to do with that. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that angle, but I think that that's completely true. Yeah. yeah I'm, you know, I mean, it, there's a big tie in to uh, doubt. Here, right. And the expectations that have been made, you know, already set by his sister, expectations yeah. are high for him to excel as well. Right. Or at least he thinks. I mean, a major, yeah, and a major theme of this episode, right, is expectations expectations and the burden of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, you know, I never realized, you've you've brought up almost in every episode, like, the theme of each episode, and I never think about it going into the episode. So you, like, really, you... It's a revelation to me every time you tell me, like, you mention, like, well, the theme here is this, and then you see, like, how good of a job the writers do at just taking one theme and writing a script around that or you know in the reverse they're writing a script and realize here's the theme and they incorporate the theme in it it's pretty cool yeah it's really good yeah no i mean i agree i mean that's just one of the things that makes this show special you Mm -hmm. know that they really go to those lengths Mm -hmm. um and they go deep i mean and they're smart people too i mean i just looked up Todd Kessler, who wrote this episode, saw that he was Harvard educated. Oh, well, there. Yeah. Well, okay. So he's a brain. Yeah. You know, and he wrote yeah. a very smart episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing about Ivy Leaguers. Yeah. He himself being one. And uh, speaking of which, Meadow won't talk to Tony. That's he right. Except the phone, which I know is where she should be at. But it is cold to see that a daughter won't talk to her father. That is sad. It's the second time that we've seen it. You know, it's funny. It just reminded me, not like the two situations are the same at all, but in the first episode, a big 
uh, you know, running storyline is that Meadow's not talking to Carmela, mm-hmm. right? And that's in the very first episode. And then Tony is kind of in the middle of that. Tony's the good guy there. And then here, you know, we sure. get the reversal, which I suppose has happened uh, to every person that's ever had parents. Through the <laughs> eons. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you know, one one parent's trying to be the peacemaker, you know, mm-hmm. when the other uh, when the other parent and the child have a dispute. You yeah, know, right. So. And now we get a small plot that runs through this episode of the continuing fight between Janice and Svetlana over these fucking records. Yeah. That Svetlana and, and her right, as she says, uh, possession is nine tenths of the law. She will not give them up. And you kind of think like, oh, they seem like they might get along because now they're under the same roof. Um, you know, maybe Janice and Svetlana can talk it out. Now, this scene, um, we go back and forth between this scene and Christopher's. So I think we should just talk about like the the moments here between Janice and Svetlana that we get. So they go to bed and then next morning Svetlana wakes up to see her leg is gone. Yeah. Her prosthetic leg is nowhere to be found. And it's not funny, but it is funny that she's jumping around all over the place. Right. And has to call up Irina. And she says in Russian, that slut sow stole my leg. Yeah. It's no. really good. It's really good. What's also good, and I don't know if you caught this, but I just love how Svetlana apparently sleeps with a bottle of Stoli. Yeah, she does. At her bedside. Yeah, she does. Yes, she does. <laughs> what? You know, when in Russia. Yeah so russian i guess i mean wow (laughs) it's good stuff (laughs) so she calls irena and right so irena Mm -hmm. comes over to bring her her old prosthetic leg but then they call tony to come over and really as tony points out this is just a setup irena set this up so that i could be here with irena right and so lana's apologizing like i'm sorry she did get me like it was her plan to bring it over. And we learned that Irina is getting married. Yeah. Tony knows this and he's like, fine, whatever. I love that. He's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Yeah. Well, he's washed his hands of Irina completely. You know, you really see that here. He's not, he, he's not like tempted at all, even though she's, she's presenting herself in a conservative way, Irina. And, uh, mm-hmm. she, wants to kind of display to Tony that she's healthy and that she's happy. And, you know, is that really convincing? Eh, not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, man, I had such an awful thought during this scene. Oh, please do tell. <laughs> I mean, it's bad to say, but it's just the truth. Okay. Which is that it's really kind of disorienting to see Irina with her clothes on. Oh, it threw you off. It threw me off. I was like, "Oh, you wear clothes," because you know, as the as the mistress, right? As the former Gumar, we only ever saw her in the context of Gumar business, (laughs) aka sex. So she was always undressed. So always disrobed. So to see her robed. So you were expecting like she brings over Svetlana's old leg, half dressed no but it was i mean no but it was literally like what's wrong with this picture oh you're not naked oh okay yeah 
you know that didn't trouble me yeah i can see how it would be troubling well though. it troubled me you know <laughs> once nudity how, has been established how dare she yeah yes now before we get to the flashbacks that occur we should talk about the breaks that we had in between these scenes from christopher absolutely so christopher is going off blaming the raven for this misfortune that he is now in and and the pain and it seems that adriana has extensive knowledge in symbolism and tells him no 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 the bird thing is if it's in the house flapping around and that's death not bad luck right oh okay she knows all about it she knows all about it and then we get christopher just panicking out and about trying to beat up just junkies and Mm -hmm. people who might owe him money just the littlest bit and uh yeah he's freaking out yeah that's what we're getting yeah but we do get back to tony at the fridge at livia's and there's some gabagool and he opens it up takes a slice out and it triggers a memory there we we go this flashback young tony uh older than what we've seen before so later late 60s i would say yeah, uh, he appears to be around like 10, maybe? Uh, probably a bit older. older yeah. Well, oh, how old was he when he saw his he dad was eight. and the clown get... Yeah, so he was away. eight when that happened. And this this mm. feels like a couple years later, but not too much later. No, I will tell you, it must feel a little bit later because yeah. in those flashbacks early on in Down Neck, uh, Barbara was a baby, like a oh, toddler. Yeah. And now she's at least three or four. Right. Right. Okay. So maybe three or four years. Yeah. So maybe he's 12, 11. Sounds about right. Yeah. I would okay. say 10 to 12. Yeah. 11, 12. Yeah. Let's call it 12. Does it matter? I'll tell you one detail that I did like. Okay. Um, when he's sitting out in the car, young Tony of uh, whatever age, <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, I did like how he's listening to football. So it says, oh, this memory is from, you know, this time in the present. Mm-hmm. Like, 30 years ago oh, you know yeah, it was yeah. exactly this time of year right too right, right. you know the fall football season football season yeah oh, good point yeah and they're in front of satrials right when it was owned by mr satrial mr satrial yeah yeah and tony basically gets a glimpse of his father being extremely violent cutting the pinky off of satrial with a butcher's knife yeah this yeah. is intense i mean he knew what his dad did but he's never seen uh the violence to this degree I mean, he, he'd he seen his dad, you know, beat up a guy before. But, you know, maiming a person is is way more serious. Oh, for sure. You know. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that has a major impact on Tony, as we will see in the following, you know, piece of the flashback, which is, is really interesting. By the way, I like the way that they're doing these flashbacks now. Mm. Uh, just, you know, they kind of upped their game a bit technically in terms of how they shot them with the lighting. Almost like a sepia tone yeah. to it in a, like a, a soft tone like that. Right. To it. Yeah. Cause it's a memory, yeah. you know, it's both a memory and it's both, you know, a different time period with, you know, just everything that that entails. Increased contrast and, and yeah. Stuff like graininess that. to the image. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that stuff is all cool mm-hmm. and um, really helps sell the flashback. Well, we cut to, back to present time and he's right. back in the office with Melfi. Right. And they're discussing this. Right. He's discussing how it actually was a rush for him to see this. He yeah. Wasn't, he wasn't traumatized. At least he didn't feel like he was traumatized. But yeah. as they start breaking it down and we go back to the flashback. Exactly. We can see there was some, there, there had to be some lingering trauma. 
for sure deep in his yeah. mind. Yeah. Because, you know, well, we get that great moment where it's a little bit surprising, I guess. And I guess this is why, honestly, this is why I thought Tony wasn't that much older than when we had previously seen him. Mm. Because he sits on his dad's lap. Oh. And I was like, that's very much something that like a younger kid does. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, it's yeah. nothing. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. That was just the thing that sort of, I actually oh, remember okay. thinking, oh, he can't be that much older. Yeah, interesting. Because you don't sit on your dad's lap when you're like 13. Right. <laughs> I mean, unless you're Gavin no, no, Bowen. No, wh- <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. Uh, Moving on. So, yeah. So, we get back in the flashback. Johnny Soprano is is teaching his son some lessons. Right. Lesson number one, don't be a gambler. Because right. Because that's what happened to Satrial. He was a gambler. He got in debt, couldn't pay him back. You lose a pinky. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, honor debts. And yeah. gambling is bad. Don't be a gambler. And I like too how they uh, just uh, an aside, how they chose an actor for this young Tony who looks a lot like AJ. Absolutely, very well, noticeable, right? Yeah. And we see a young Livia again, the same actors, which I loved. Right. That they brought back the same actors, and this sort of sick, I mean, gross, sexual, getting hot and heavy over the meats. Being yeah. presented and ready to consume. Yeah. It is a little disturbing for a child. It's dark and disturbing. Yeah. I mean, to see your like own mom, you know, in heat is uh is pretty disturbing, I would imagine, anyway. Right. Uh, but especially when it is tied to the meat that uh, you know, Johnny Boy acquired from Satrial and you know, he he chopped a piece of meat off of Satrial. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, with Satrial's own, you know, cleaver. Right. Uh, so there's all these little dimensions and ties and the sexuality and the meat and the dripping juices. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it all just kind of congeals into this, uh, you know, ultimate kind of panic eruption within Tony's mind. And that is when he has his inaugural panic attack. Cracks his head on the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Melfi's describing all this, right? She's, she's right. explaining, this is what happened to your brain. Yeah. Um, I was looking for on James Gandolfini some form of a cut over his head. You know how in Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, they had River, River Phoenix as the young Indiana Jones, and he had the got the bullwhip for the first time, and he's trying to push a lion back with it and he cuts his chin with the bullwhip yeah and that's you know harrison ford has a cut on his chin and so that's like just saying like oh that's how he got this cut on his chin i was looking for a cut over the brow of james gandolfini but i did not see one maybe it is there and i just wasn't looking hard enough i'm not not sure i was looking for something like that that went just a little deeper oh i like that that's funny so you're saying that if gandolfini had a real life scar in that place right then they were pulling an indiana jones in the show explaining exactly. how that i i like that i like maybe that I'll, i, I I'll like better next time one. to see if there is a slight cut over his brow please yeah, do i will i will but i just like the obviously the connections that chase and the writers are making now they're they're weaving this all together we're getting some explanation finally of where Tony's panic attacks are coming from. Right. We're actually like making progress as it were. Well, surprise, surprise. It has a lot to do with his mom. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This disgusting 
tie to meats and sexuality is yeah yeah very gross but tony has that very funny line where she's trying melfi's trying to explain to him uh how there's this you know sensory sense memory tie to it all he took a bite of a madeleine it's a kind of a tea cookie he used to have when he was a child and that one bite unleashed a tide of memories of his childhood and ultimately of his entire life. This sounds very gay. I hope you're not saying that. No. Right. She's talking about Proust and right. the Madeline cookie and how it unleashes a tide of memories. Oh, God. She's making these references to the wrong guy. Absolutely. That probably worked for Kessler at Harvard, but (laughs) for Tony Soprano (laughs) in Newark, he's not having it. Yeah, yeah. Now, Tony and AJ are watching football, and I had one question. How come for two guys, there are so many different bags of potato chips in front of them? They probably have the entire Lay's chip. Yeah. Like genres laid before the them. The full product line. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I just noticed that I was like, damn, what? What what yeah. happened? Did they not clean up after Janice? Is this just right. left over from her? Well, it's just extravagant. I mean, Tony here's what Tony's trying to do, you know, and it's actually like great parenting, I think. You know, he really mm-hmm. has identified this source of potential in his son and he just wants to like go into overdrive encouraging it like hey you're good at this develop your talent you might have a gift pursue it you know this is going to be the source of of success for you perhaps um and self-esteem perhaps and so like he he likens the uh consumption of you know football with like the consumption of like fun foods and stuff i guess Yeah. yeah But Carmela does interrupt, saying that she's going to the city to see Meadow. AJ definitely wants to go. For whatever reason, AJ is, is finding some sort of tie to his sister right now, where he wants to talk to her on the phone. He wants to go see her in the city. Tony thinks he can go, but Carmela says, best not. Right. Best not. Yeah. And then they do end up arriving in the in the city, right? Yeah. To the college dorm. And AJ is sent away as Mm -hmm. he is often sent away yeah he makes a point that i think we all knew was happened like every other scene anytime (laughs) something big happens aj's always told to go away right you know out loud says i'm always told to go away right and it's true he's always told to be sent away well it reminds me a little bit of uh breaking bad there Mm. was uh the character of um Walter White's son. Yes. And it was brought up, you know, after a while that we only really ever saw this character at like the table in the kitchen eating breakfast. Yes. Like episode after episode, season after season. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know for sure, but I think they actually in a fun way acknowledged it in the show. I might be wrong about that, but I think they may have eventually acknowledged that some way in the show. That this guy's funny. always eating breakfast. That's and so that's the funny. only time we see him dramatically. Oh my God. That's anyway, really good. there you go. Yeah. So we get a confrontation here, a smaller confrontation than Meadow wanted. Because Meadow actually yeah. maybe wanted her dad, as Carmela points out. It's a good thing Tony didn't show up, because there they are sitting like on oh the... Boy. I mean, if he was armed, he would have pulled his gut out right there. <laughs> right? 
right? How yeah. about uh, Noah's bravado? Right. Post altercation with Tony. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, very tough. Very tough yeah. to uh, show so much. So such big balls when yeah. the man's not even there at uh, this moment. Amazing amount of balls. I mean, because Noah at this point does know who Tony is and he does know what yeah. Tony does. As right. Meadow points out, oh, maybe he didn't know that when he came over, but now he's figured it out. He knows that dad is mobbed up and etc. cetera. Uh, it's funny because with both Noah and Meadow, although obviously, you know, they're in the right. Mm. Of course. Mm. I mean... Yeah, the bad guy is the guy saying <laughs> Although, you can't be together because you're interracial. Like, right. let's make that very clear. Yes. However, they're just such brats, too. They are. They, <laughs> they're I mean, just complete brats. I wrote, uh, there's the meadow we know. Yeah. Like, when she goes off on Carmela about it all. and I, But I did, I did find it a little uncomfortable that Carmela would ask Noah for some privacy with her daughter. This is a man she's never met, and he's never met her. And if he's planning on making any good impressions, at least with one member of the family, you would think it would be with the mother. And she asks politely if she could have the room with Meadow, and he says that he's not going to move unless Meadow tells him to. Right. That made me, like, pissed. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. This is the mom now. Like... Yeah. Are you going to just alienate both parents at this point? Do you do you see a future with Meadow now? Like is you think it's just going to be confrontation after confrontation and you're like yeah. now you're prepared for that because I think you're making a mistake here. Yeah. With Carmela. Well, yes. Uh you would think that he would yeah, want to butter up the mom. That is sort of the natural thing that you would do. I guess his thing is, hey, you know, I've achieved a lot. I'm really smart. I don't have to take this at all. Again, sure. that's all pretty true yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, <laughs> and perhaps he's thinking, hey, you know, you're married to this guy. You're probably just as bad as he is. Yes. I, she tries to make a point, Carmela does, about... Noah, I'm sure you must know what I'm talking about. Coming from a racially mixed marriage, I'm sure that's been a difficult burden to shoulder. Don't slam his family background. Look what you wound up in. Which I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, and that's when she does get the room alone with Meadow. And I just love how Edie Falco plays this and, and how it's written for Carmela not to escalate anything. Right. She doesn't escalate. I mean, she was just insulted by her daughter in front of somebody else. And she just walks away from it all. Meadow tries yeah. to get in the last word, but... She just walks away. Yeah, and I think that Carmela is taking the long view. You know, she she's a woman. She recognizes her daughter as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she Carmela sort of knows how to play this. Yeah, she's like, this is just going to play itself out. Meadow's not going to wind up with this guy. I know that. You know, I know my daughter. Let's just let it play out. You know, it'll be way worse if we turn it into a whole you know race war situation. Sure, sure, sure. And then a shot, of course, of AJ. Right. Outside of the school, looking at, as he calls them, the freaks. Yeah. The people in college who are studying, who are smarter than him, who are, you know, who have more expectations than he has of himself. Right. And they have like colored hair and they look strange. And it's just like, this is not his crowd, you yeah. know? And I think, you know, you were saying that it was, it was kind of odd, maybe that 
AJ would want to be talking to Meadow in this episode and would want to go visit her at school. Cause I think part of it is he's like, well, where is my place? You know, is it there perhaps is college, you know, maybe for me, right. uh, should I try and be a little bit more like my sister? Cause at home I don't feel quite right, you know, and it's, where's my place? Like, where mm-hmm. do I fit in? And he's looking around and he's just discouraged. It's like, ah, not this either. Yeah. We'd probably regret not bringing this up, but cut into this trip to the city, we get a shot of Christopher getting still being anxious about football, like a lot's riding on these games this weekend. But then we get a cut to Junior watching the games as well. Look at your favorite Santa Barbara Olives. Leave me to fuck alone. And that's it. That's Dominic, <laughs> Dominic Chianese's contribution to this episode. Paycheck, please. <laughs> but it's great. It really is. Didn't need to be there, but I'm glad that it is. No, no, no. It's so good. Yeah. But we do move into back to Livia's house. Right. Right. Janice does come back home. We get to see Svetlana's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And Janice is, is being a cunt. As Svetlana says. Right. She is really being a cunt. Janice is, uh, she's so funny. I mean, she tried this like super fake, nice guy approach, you know, right before she stole the leg. Yes. Didn't get what she wanted. So Drugged now, Svetlana too. Oh, that was the point we forgot right. to make. I'm glad that you said that because as I've said many times, I've seen every Sopranos episode probably an average of three times. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the fourth, I'm okay. guessing. Uh, never did I notice that line until I was watching it for this podcast. Yes. It seems that yeah. Janice has a, a propensity for drugging people that she wants to just yeah. leave her the fuck alone for some time. <laughs> yeah, she, she drugged did to her Livia, mom. Yeah. And now Svetlana. Right. Yeah. Something to look out for. Well, I mean, I guess it just, the writers are like, yeah, it's funny and it's, you know, ridiculous and it's <laughs> extreme that she does this. Yeah. Uh, but also, we need to be able to explain how she's able to get away with doing such things Getting as, in the room and taking you know, it. yeah, walking into the room, creeping in. It's not that she just crept in quietly right, right, right. and took the leg and, you know, Svetlana just happened to not wake up. You know, leg she was with drugged. Kenneth Cole boot, yeah. mind you. Yeah, So we exactly. have a missing prosthetic leg with Kenneth Cole boot. Right. And of course, the previous time that Janice drugged someone, it was her mom. And then while her mom was out, she was not, you know, woken by Richie being murdered downstairs. Yeah. 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 But we can see that Svetlana uh, seems determined to not let this go. She's going to make Janice pay in some way. Yeah. For this. There's that. And also she's just, I mean, Svetlana's like not backing down you know she's just like yeah you want war like i come from russia (laughs) you know like i've gone through shit you can't even imagine you know and i did it all with one leg in russia you don't make war war make you right (laughs) that's basically what she's saying at this point pretty much yeah yeah. and uh you know it's great uh it's fun to see this escalate Mm -hmm. uh between svetlana and janice just being completely ridiculous yeah you know Uh, absolutely this obsession with the records. Right. Because there's obviously no buried treasure, right? There was no will. Mm-hmm. Janice has to get something out of this estate. Yeah. Well, I also think, too, that at this point, Janice just wants to win. Sure. Sure. Janice just wants to win. Janice doesn't actually care about the records that much. She just wants to win. So Lana doesn't really care about the records that much. 
either, but she's not going to be bullied. And that's kind of the dynamic here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Christopher being still down confronts uh, Jackie Jr. about that benefit concert. Right. That he was going to uh, stick up. And so they do just that. Jackie Jr. being the wheel man. Mm -hmm. Him and Benny, uh, Christopher and Benny, going in with scream masks on, robbing a benefit concert. As the guy at the teller's booth says, you're robbing a benefits concert? Right. (laughs) You'd know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just so cold-blooded. But, you know, this speaks to Chris's desperation. And that's why I say he absolutely hasn't made the 4,000. Because this is, I feel, desperation mode. Yes. I totally agree. He does not have the money. Right. Yeah. And and so that's why he's here. Would he rather not be here? Uh, probably. But, you know, he, he's so desperate to make the payment, you know, mm-hmm. on time uh, so he doesn't get deeper in the hole or suffer, you know, perhaps worse consequences that he is willing to do this. And also, very importantly, uh, you know, go directly against orders from his boss. Yes. You know, Tony said very specifically, do not involve Jackie Jr. in any of our illegal activities. And, uh, well, Chris has brought him directly into the middle of a, True. Uh, you know, heist in which weapons are discharged and they have to flee, you know, at top speed. I like the, you know, little moment that we get here of uh, Jackie Jr. pissing himself. Well, let's, let's, you know, face it. That was the worst thing that happened to Jackie Jr. in this moment. Yeah. You know, no, 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 no other harm came to him, Tony. He's fine. He just pissed his pants. That's but all. It's, it's important, you know, just to go to show that, you know, our unfortunate, fortunate son, mm-hmm. Jackie Jr., he's not built for this life. Right. You know, he pissed himself, literally. Mm-hmm. He's all talk. He wants to be the next generation of gangster. Yeah. But he's not up to it, which is, you know, different from Tony. Perhaps because, and this is something that I don't think I, I don't think I said this before, but um, when we had Tony's flashback and, you know, little Tony saw his dad chop the finger off and, you know, like we get that moment with his dad, Johnny boy, where Johnny's like, you know, I'm proud of you. Most kids your age would have run from there like Mm -hmm. a little girl, but you didn't. Now that's sort of a clue that perhaps Tony, you know, should from that moment forward be getting groomed to take over because he demonstrated he can handle that. He can see that kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's just a contrast that I thought about. For sure. For sure. Couple scenes left in this episode. This next one is another dinner scene where AJ makes it very clear. He does not see himself going to college. At right. All. And so we leave kind of on, on that note there, but Chris did get his money, does give his money to Polly. And I love Polly's, you know, Chris is just going off like, this is tough. Like I thought, you know, you're, you're chasing it more than you're actually earning it. And Paulie just says, welcome to the NFL rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect button on a, on a football themed episode, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it, well, in a sense, football themed, Yeah, not yeah, a, yeah. like, su- it's a superficial thing. That was the main theme. Yeah, <laughs> that's the football. main takeaway. <laughs> the joys of football. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this scene a lot. Cause it's, it's a very sort of like neat and tidy cap on, on what Chris's storyline was in this episode. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the real cap comes later, and it's a little bit more depressing. Right. <laughs> right. But the uh, 
Yeah, then then Polly delivers his portion to Tony and Tony may, brings this up that all new guys are going to have to be strip searched now, which, you know, just goes to show as a boss, Tony has either a paranoia or just a heightened awareness of how deep, how far the FBI will go, what lengths they'll go to make a rat out of somebody. Mm -hmm. And so he has to be careful now. Mm -hmm. So new guys are getting strip searched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really can't be a made guy and wearing a wire. That doesn't work. Well, tell that to all the rats that we have right, right now. Like we had. Who, are, who have all been made, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Pussy was definitely a made man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Altieri. Yeah. Jimmy Altieri was. Right. Is Raymond. Yeah. Yeah. Rats. Rats, rats, rats. Wow. And the entire crux of the you know, making ceremony is don't rat. And by the way, don't snitch and uh, never tell the cops what we do. Yeah. You know, it's just... right. <laughs> You're breaking all the rules, buddy. Yeah. yeah. The ultimate kind of final beat for Chris is that oh. when Tony gets angry, oh, learning yeah. that he's been disobeyed, that Chris brought Jackie along on that heist. You know, he is pissed. Tony calls Chris right away, beeps him. Of course, this yes. is the pager episode, as you said. Yes. And uh, Christopher, for the first time, he's just in bed looking like, you know, like very emblematic of depression mm -hmm. with like the covers over his head, just staring out into space. He sees the beeper and he just turns over. Yeah. Yeah. So now we get the last scene. Right. With AJ on the football team. Do you think that the coach is promoting AJ because of one single recovered fumble or that he found out that AJ's father is Tony Soprano? Which one do you think is more likely? Well, to be honest, I don't think that the second one is a factor. I don't think that the coach knows or cares or if he knows it doesn't influence his decision really so based on one recovered fumble well i was gonna say i never played football i mean if you make one good play do you become a hero from then on well i mean a fumble is a fumble if you're in yeah. the right place at the right time you can recover it right yeah it doesn't it doesn't actually show a lot of skill tony says you have a nose for the ball it's like well did he really yeah he, he hardly played he went in for one play somebody else forced the fumble right he just happened to be in the right spot at the right time to recover the fumble. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, he's being given this. Now he's being given more responsibility. Expectations are now high for him because now he's a captain on the football team. And what happens? He passes out. Yeah. His first panic attack. So that's neat. We saw Tony's first panic attack in this episode. And we see AJ, his fortunate sons, first. Yeah. Great so, way so to end it. Great way. Uh, so our four fortunate sons of Christopher, AJ, Jackie Jr., and Tony. That's right. Yeah. Good episode. Loved it. Big episode, yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Join us next week. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support it, there are many ways to do that by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes on your computer or at Stitcher. Wherever you can find podcasts really is great and leave a comment and a review. And then follow us on Twitter at The Soprano Show, like we do with every episode, ending with our favorite lines from this episode. I had a favorite line that was part of the 
realization that Tony was coming to about his mother and her sick sort of pleasure with receiving these meats. And he tells Melfi, What was the only time you could count on her being in a good mood? When the weekly meat delivery from Satriali showed up at the house. Or Fusco, the vegetable man, maybe. Probably the only time the old man got laid. Probably. <laughs> the, the two times is just the food deliveries. Yeah. Uh, uh, Livia receiving the meat uh, put her in the mood to receive some meat. Wow. There you go. Okay. How do you like it? How do you like it? <laughs> how, how do you like that? That's my analysis, huh? <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> my favorite line. Yeah comes from the top of the episode and I just thought it was memorable for some reason and sort of silly when Chris says to Aid, the wife of a made guy doesn't host this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well I like that cuz they're moving on up. That's right. You know? They're not going to be in that bum apartment anymore. They might get a loft. I'm sure it's only going to be happiness for this couple. All right. 